Hello and welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here with you today. So I have, I guess we can call it a case study. One of my clients has agreed to come on the show because it's so hard to understand like life coaching and these tools and what does that really mean? And I love what Corinne says, but what's really the outcome? And so my client has agreed to come and share her process. And I invited her because, and we're going to talk about the story, but to go from somebody who was an approval whore, right? A people pleaser, a perfectionist her entire life and the transformation that she has made, you know, in letting go of perfection and, you know, letting go of, it's okay if people hate me when I have a greater purpose of there's something I want to pursue. And when she said was so profound and how she stood in her power and it wasn't like a puffing up, you can hate me. It was, I have to be brave in taking a stand for this because there's something bigger out there. And if I don't take the stand, the person can be really affected. And so again, she goes through a lot of examples. So I'm so excited for you to have this opportunity to listen to what happens when you live the tools of life coaching. So often we can think of life coaching as airy fairy, right? And instead, how powerful it is and how we can benefit from having these practices in our lives. I will circle back with you after my interview with Rose. Thanks so much for listening. Rose, hello and welcome to my show. Hello, Corinne. So Rose, you've been a longtime listener and now you're a guest on the other side. How does it feel? Well, it feels a little vulnerable, quite frankly, but I'm, <laughs> I'm so happy to be here because if I wasn't being vulnerable, it would mean I'm not doing my work with you. So I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Yippee skippy. Yay you. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. So not only is Rose a longtime listener, but she's also a client of mine. And she's been doing such a fantastic job with her work and applying the tools. And I wanted her to share what her coaching journey has been like and how these tools have affected her life so far. And we've been working together for what, about six months or so? Yep, that's right. Okay. So this week I was coaching her and we're not going to go into the specific details of the scenario and the players because we want to keep that all confidential. But so often, Rose, my clients are always worried about, you know, being what other people think and the judgment of others and how other people feel and, you know, not wanting to be hated. And you were in a situation with a couple of people where you had to have a difficult conversation to somebody who had been excluded from some information and that could be hurtful anytime we're not a part of the initial conversation. And you went to them and said, look, here's some information I have to tell you. And I want you to take it from there. Yes. Yes. And when I went to have that conversation, I'll tell you, my stomach was in knots. I was so nervous and so concerned about what kind of reaction am I going to get from this very important person in my life. And I have to say, my, my tools kicked in from our coaching and our training because I really thought through, why am I having this conversation? What's my purpose? My purpose was clear. And without a doubt, the feeling helped go away as it allowed me and guided me through delivering a message with love and kindness. And that's been a big part of our focus on the work of helping me be okay with challenging conversations and recognizing it's my choice to own having the conversation aligned with my values. But when I put my focus on my values and doing it for the right reason, I'm now worried so much less and was in that experience in that arena, worried so much less about the other person's reaction. And I think that subtle shift from saying and thinking, being clear, being clear on owning what wasn't there in the conversation and owning what needed to be in there in the conversation and treating the discussion with love and kindness really helped me overcome letting my feelings of wanting to run away in that particular instance and being able to sit there and allow the other person's emotions to come out and not allow it to impact me or allow me to be afraid and feel bad and take it personally. And at the end, at the end of that conversation, we actually came out to a much better place and one that was more of one of healing, challenging hard, 
But I stayed in it. I stayed in the conversation and I kept my head on clear on what it was I was trying to accomplish. It made a big difference. Well, that's so huge. And I remember you saying to me when, you know, this other person was getting a bit upset, right? Because again, it's the, the this exclusion factor. And you said, it's your choice to choose to hate me. It's my choo- choice to have a better experience here. Right. Yes. We're talking about this relationship with this person. Yes. Doing it better than the way you guys have done done it in the past. Yep. Yep. And it really does come down to choice. Choice in terms of what's the part of the story I'm going to own and choice in terms of knowing there's a better outcome and allowing myself to be brave, to stay in it, to have the courage to stay in it, knowing full well, I have to let go of something though, to be able to get to that better place. And I think learning the stories that I need to own and and the choices I'm making are becoming more and more a part of my life and how I think about things. So I want to go deeper into where you give this other person the ability, the choice to hate you. Have you always allowed other people to hate you? Oh, no, no, no. I must be perfect. We must put the armor up. Surely no one cannot like me and I must say yes to everything. I think this is a deep-seated belief, limiting belief, I might add, that I've had for quite a bit of my life. And I, I, now, now that I think about how being so concerned with perfection rather than progress towards a purpose can really hold you back. And I think in our work together, allowing, making the connection between how am I feeling and why am I feeling that way and how it's guiding my thoughts and how are those thoughts limiting me or pulling me back allows me to really use emotion in a different way and embrace it mm-hmm. so that I understand those emotions can actually be very, very beneficial and feeling vulnerable is okay. And actually it's important, but it's how you deal with it though. And what your mindset is towards vulnerability and how you leverage and help to become a better person by embracing it as opposed to running away from it. And so how did you get to that place where you didn't run away from this? Because it would have been so much easier to get on the plane and leave town. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Self-compassion has been the key to my learning um, and really recognizing challenging conversations aren't going to be perfect. There is no form of perfect. And knowing the end result I'm looking for is to show up in a discussion in alignment with my values allows me to say, so the reality is it might feel really uncomfortable and it might not be perfect and it might, I might want to put my armor up, but by putting the armor up, it prevents people from really seeing me and hearing me and being heard and being seen. So by virtue of allowing myself to be vulnerable, it really unlocks conversations in a different way very different way. And I guess I never thought about it that way. And it affects me, by the way, both personally, professionally, everyone in my life it touches because I'm able to interact and engage in a very different way. Scary, but it brings so much more joy to my life because people can actually see the real me. And my message actually gets heard in a very different way. It's messy. It's messy work, as Brene Brown would say. Mm-hmm. But it's so, it's just so rewarding to continue working towards your purpose and figuring out how your limiting beliefs can be preventing you from getting where you're trying to be. And, and I think that's so important because we think, oh, well, that person can have that difficult conversation. It must be easy for her. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. I've had a couple people uh, witness me in discussions where I'm having to negotiate or you know, move around challenging discussions now, you know, in, in the previous past few months here and ask me, how did you get there? And, you know, how come, you know, that must be easy for you, just as you said. And my response is, if I'm clear and I understand and I'm doing the work of listening and I'm doing the work of doing my very best in the discussion to help us go towards an aligned goal, it allows the feeling of wanting to run away and and not embrace difficult conversations. It allows it to kind of just dissolve because I know staying in the arena is helping pull us all towards a better, greater good. And it has nothing to do with me personally. It has to do with what's the gift that I have to engage vulnerably to help lift us all up. And um, it's really not easy. Rose, I think that's something you said there is really key. It's not about just you. It's about the greater good. So, right. So, 
whether it's work as a C-suite executive or in your personal life, right? What it's not about, oh, this is what's best for Rose. It's about how do we all move ourselves forward? How do we be able to have these courageous conversations so we can get to being of service or being able to deliver what we want to deliver at work, being able to have the relationships that we want to have, being able to support the people we love the way we'd like to, knowing that it's going to be messy. Yeah, that's right. And you know, I think one of the big pieces in mindset shift for me is it's thinking in terms of the greater good, but it's being committed to the best possible outcome. <laughs> We've talked about that a lot and it means a lot. And what it means to me and in my story and the story I make up out of that line is that being committed to the best possible outcome means the best possible outcome, if it's focused on the greater good, might not be my opinion that I walked into the conversation with. Mm-hmm. And I think for a big part of my life, I'd have, I'd, here's my end result and here's where I'm going and I've got the agenda and I've got this, you know, I'm perfect. But I'm finding when I kind of let that armor down and let that point of view come down and I truly listen and say, it might not be my opinion, it might need to be somebody else's, the outcome is so much greater. And I'm finding so much more joy in letting go of thinking it has to be a certain way. And it's really... I think when I came to start my work with you, I said, oh, I think I'm going to have an interesting year ahead and I want to learn how to have more joy in my life. And I'm finding the joy is coming through trying these little tweaks Mm -hmm. and the joy is coming through going out there and trying new things. And my limiting beliefs will only dissolve if I go and practice and try it. And that I think is the best part about working with you because every week I sit down and I'm reflecting and I'm working on things and one of my favorite words you've used with me is practice. Mm-hmm. You can't, it's not about reading a book, walking away. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's about using your life as the lab to play. And when you look at it that way, as opposed to life is hard and it's challenging, and instead life is a gift and let's go see how we can be different and live a little outside our comfort zone and what might be possible if we believe that. And if we're committed to practice every day. Yes, practice is so key. We all want the magic wand and being able to just show up as that transformed person. (laughs) Not easy. (laughs) So you said something that's really important that I don't want to miss or pass over because you said you came here because you want to have more joy in your life. But it sounds like, and please tell me where I'm wrong, what I heard you say, Rose, was that the joy has come through being willing to be courageous and being willing to be vulnerable and being willing to be uncomfortable. Yes, 100%. And it is so counterintuitive to what I would have expected. <laughs> Where's perfect? I remember thinking, oh, Corinne's going to give me the tools. Now my life will be perfect. Certainly that'll be it. And I, I, I have a distinct rem- memory of struggling through something and being on the phone with one of my best friends and saying, I said something, and she said to me, Rose, you always, I've always heard you say for years, it's about the journey, not the destination. And I said, or I might have said that. That doesn't mean I believed it or I really understood it. That sounds like maybe I have to practice my own stuff. And we had such a great laugh at that moment because, you know, you hear all these great things, but if you really take a step back and say, well, I might espouse to say these things, I'm not necessarily sure I'm actually living them. And the the art of sitting and reflecting and really thinking through things and asking the the right questions and different questions and a good question versus a bad question can really impact how you feel. That all leads back to joy and where you're putting your energy. So the, the, the concept that Rose is talking about is the quality of the questions create the focus in your life. So when we ask ourselves the question of like, oh, what's wrong with me? All we're going to do is find evidence to self-criticize and self-beat, beat ourselves versus like, oh, what can I learn from this? And then what happens is that you have curiosity and you have this awareness where you can figure things out and actually solve your problems. Oh, you just hit on a very important word there. Um, it's 
its problems, but it's being aware of them. And being aware means you got to take the steps to understand what they are mm-hmm. and then embrace them. And that's the tough work. So as an example for me to say, I can recognize now all the armor and all the places where, man, I had stumble down moments and it might have been different had I been willing to be vulnerable. I don't know that I was aware of that going through it. And that awareness just really can make a difference. But let's be truthful about it. So it can be totally make a difference, but you're on the other side, right? When I, when I was first inviting you to, hey, like, let's take off the armor, let's put it down, let's let go of this idea of perfection, because perfection is the birthplace of shame. Were, were you like, yippee skippy, I'm so excited to take off this thing that's protected me? No, because my first question was, well, if it's not protecting me, well, what is protecting me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How's that going to work? And surely I'm going to fail. I mean, that's a natural um, belief in my mind is if I'm not focused on perfect and planning and we're achieving our goals and we're looking great to the outside world. Well, if I'm not doing that, what's replacing it? Oh, and how you like to plan. <laughs> oh, how I like to plan. And oh, when uncertainty happens and plans don't quite go as according to plan. Oh, is that painful? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lot, lots of opportunities in, in, in life to experience that. But that whole uncertainty thing, too, I mean, that's been another big, big topic. And, and, and going right back to the singular story we were talking about earlier about being in a conversation, knowing it's probably not going to go well. I, for the first time as I was there, I was thinking to myself, I have no idea. And that's OK. It's OK to not actually know where this is going to end up. Because whatever it is, I have confidence. If I'm staying true to my values and my purpose and focused on the greater good, the light will come. I'll figure out what to say when I get there. Mm-hmm. And and that part is huge because you didn't know how the other person was going to react. You kind of had an idea that they would be upset. And, and again, it would have been easier to leave town, get on a plane, not have this conversation. But there was a greater good that probably gave you courage to say, okay, I've got to go do this, even though it's uncomfortable. Yes. And, yes. and for the listeners to realize, like, sometimes, you know, it's easier to do it for the greater good or, or for the work, like being brave at the workplace, because there are some outcomes that the team wants, or the company wants, and we have to say, hey, wait a second, the path that we're going. The other part that becomes really important is to be able to do that for ourselves, and be willing to be you know, an advocate, have courageous conversations, own our voice for ourselves, because that's the relationship we're cultivating with ourselves, And then that will allow us to cultivate that relationship with other people. So in this situation, Rose has been able to do it for somebody else. But in other situations as well, she's been able to use her voice and be in the uncomfortable for herself. And, and I want to ask you, how has that experience been? It's been really interesting because I'm finding the growth um, is coming from from choosing I'm gonna use the word choice choosing to put myself in uncomfortable positions and choosing to not know but it's about having faith in myself that when I get there I'll know how to have a conversation with myself in real time Um, As opposed to, the the, the example is, what I probably would have done in the past is said, oh, I don't know how to do this. I can't do this. I'm flying. I'm fleeing. I'm getting out of here. But now I'm having the courage with each time I test and try to say, no, I'm going to believe in me. Most important relationship in my life is with myself. Mm -hmm. And she's right here. And I don't need to look to somebody else to answer this for me. You know, I, I can do this and I choose to do this. Like that word choice, I choose to do this. And having conversations like that in my head helps me through those moments that are really, they're scary and making major life decisions and saying, I really don't know how it's going to turn out, but I have courage to believe in myself that I'm going to have the answers. And when mm-hmm. I get there, I'm going to figure it out. I don't have a clue how it's going to happen. But because I'm such a planner, I like to always know that end destination but it, it's in it's within me, mm-hmm. and you know, not every day is it easy. And there's plenty of stumble down moments. But I'm learning how to become resilient and learn from them. So it didn't go according to plan. So I kind of probably could have done something better here, rather than beating myself up about it or feeling I failed, so to speak. 
instead now I say, all right, how do we learn from this? Okay, didn't go right. What can we learn from it? How can we be better the next time around? And training my brain to give myself compassion and have faith that I'm going to learn from it. That's been a big move for me. What has the having compassion? Yes, having compassion and saying, it's okay. It's all right. We didn't get that extra workout in this week. Okay, it's all right. We're not going to die because that didn't happen. It's okay. Next week's another week. Well, and with the compassion, I mean, so often my clients, right, they're like you, they're overachievers, very successful, and they've been able to be really hard on themselves to get to that level. And and then they come to see me because some things just aren't working or they're exhausted. And and I bring in, well, it's about being self-compassionate. <laughs> It actually really is. <laughs> it really is. Well, and you can imagine the resistance. They're like, well, Corinne, I'll never get anything done if I'm self-compassionate. <laughs> you get more done, I would say, when you're self-compassionate because you give yourself permission to make different choices. Mm. And I think that's the word for me, which is give yourself permission to say it's okay. That's not easy. No, it's not easy. It's not easy. And it allows you, it sounds like you're really allowing that there's going to be mess. It's going to be uncomfortable as you, you know, show up in the different arenas of your life instead of thinking, oh, it can't be messy. It's got to be perfect if I'm good enough and executing to my best potential. Yes, good enough would be the thing is I'm also giving myself permission to redefine what good enough looks like. You know, I, it's, there's, there, everybody has those 24 hours in a day. Mm-hmm. And if you're giving yourself permission to choose how to move them around and to align, I have a belief that there's really no work-life balance. What there are is a, what there is, is a bucket of hours and you need to align them based on your purpose, your greater good on how you can be the best you can be. And that simple trick of saying, I can't, I, I won't, I really won't be able to do it all. It's not feasibly possible, but what I can do is shift my bucket of hours around in this way or that way and be purposeful about it, give myself permission. I think this is the key thing, giving yourself permission to say no to more things. So the yeses you say yes to, you go deep and it's meaningful and it aligns with where you're trying to go. But letting go of things is really hard, (laughs) really, really hard. But I should be able to do it all. Why can't I do it all? No, actually, you can't. But these, you can do really well. And I want to remind the listeners that even though this is really hard and it's challenging and all of the stuff that we're talking about, and it's uncomfortable. Remember, Rose said that she has joy in her life, right? And she's, I mean, she has so much vibrancy in her life now. And but it's being willing to go through those difficult things and come out the other side, wouldn't you say, Rose? Very much so. And being willing to put boundaries in. Mm-hmm. That's bringing my joy too. I mean, scariest thing for me is, what do you mean I'm going to have to put boundaries in? What do you mean I have to say no to somebody? What do you mean I can't be involved in all these engagements and things I want to do? Well, I'm not taking care of me if I'm doing that. And so you have to make the trade-offs to get to a place where I feel centered, I feel good, so more joy is there. And it's a very different way of living and you know, being okay, giving permission to be okay with doing things differently. So I want to go back to that initial story that you shared with the, the listeners because it's so powerful and there's so many lessons in it, right? And one is actually about boundaries. Because when you're saying to this person like, look, it's your choice to choose to hate me. And it's not like you're saying, screw you, you can go and hate me. Is very compassionate. Like you, you gave that person permission. And then you also gave yourself permission that they can choose to hate you. And it's okay. You don't have to be liked because there's a greater purpose that you're pursuing. Right. And one is, is that you're like, Hey, I'm choosing to be in to have a better experience here. And then something else that you said, because I wrote this all down when you were when I was coaching you, you said, I choose to work on having a better relationship here than we did in our past, right? Because this was yes. somebody that you had had a long term relationship with. And this also it can be really helpful for people because so often we think, Oh, I've got to leave my job. Oh, I've got to end this friendship. Oh, I've got to end this relationship. Because our past has defined us. And you said, No, I choose to be here and work on this. Because I want to have a better relationship now than what we had in the past. 
Yes, that's exactly right. And choosing to, a couple of things in that. Number one, recognizing that I'm not concerned with, I'm not so concerned with trying to control is the word I would use (laughs) someone's emotions. This has been a huge like unlock for me. It may sound so basic, but live again, living it, not so easy to be able to sit there in the conversation, look the person in the eyes and say, I can only imagine where you're coming from, but also not let that spiral me down and say, well, I recognize it. I see you. I hear you. I understand. At the same point, let's focus our energy over here on these things that we actually can make a difference on because those things are about the past. Those things will not necessarily move us forward to a better place. So let's focus positively on where we can go. To have the strength to lead the discussion there and not allow previous discussions and previous behaviors, that's probably the word, previous behaviors to let me spiral back because someone feels bad, took a lot of strength. And that's the piece that suddenly, on the other side of the fence, someone's saying, okay, she hears me, she understands And maybe I'll be willing to accept and take on what she's saying. And let's now go focus over there. There's much more openness as opposed to saying, here's my agenda and let's go do this. And I don't care if you like me or you don't, I don't care what you think. It wasn't that. It was actually having compassion from where that person was coming from, but not letting it get me down, not taking it on and helping us move forward together productively. And I think the other very important thing I learned in there is the power one has to lead someone else. If you forget about the past and you focus on what you see as possible, leading through a discussion, a tough one like that, can really come down to, I choose to be here. I choose to help guide us. I can't control you. I'm hoping you'll come along with me. Here's what I'm willing to do. And I'm willing to accept. I own this part of it. And I'm going to forgive me. And maybe you can forgive you too. And we can move on together toward peace and healing. And it's so important to me. So important to me because I truly believe everything's about relationship. And even though you might not have done things in the best way in the past, it doesn't define where you're going in the future. And I want to, I want to live and breathe and be that and experience that. So what you're saying is that compassionate, this is a great example of compassionate people have boundaries. Yes. I'm going to need I would have never believed that. I never believed that when you told me. Remember I would say to you, no, boundaries are hard. Boundaries are mean. Boundaries that, that's not good. That doesn't work for me. <laughs> I think this is going to be like the case study I present to all my clients when they're arguing and they have that resistance about boundaries. No, <laughs> here is an example of boundaries, you know, and where you're again the boundaries are so many levels, right? Where you're saying you can have your feelings, you can have your hatred. I, I understand that you can be mad at me where, and you're also having the boundaries where you're not taking it on. Oh, I'm such a bad person. I did it wrong. I shouldn't have done this, right? All that self-beating because that is a distraction on the result that you both want to obtain, right? And, and that's why having that focus and that, and then you're committed to the best case scenario because here, here's a potential mess. This person can hate me. This, this conversation may blow up. We may not get the outcome that we want, but I'm going to be committed to, you know, under knowing that this person's not feeling good, not being responsible yes. for the person not feeling good, and also being committed to the best case scenario of how can we work through this for the greater good of what we're trying to support. Yeah, I think that's really right. That's really right. And it's, it's, it's so simple. It's what you're saying. And by putting boundaries in and saying no to something, how it begins for me is it's this feeling in the pit of my stomach of, oh no, this person wants this from me and maybe it's me or someone else wants something else from me and I just feel it and I embrace it. And as I feel it and I embrace it, I then say, all right, what if I go giving in to everybody, I'm going to be a wreck, which is what I normally would do. So let's focus on what feels good right now and what's in best service of greater good and use of me. And then with confidence, I'm able to move forward and say, I can do this. Here's what I can do. And I focus on the can do part of it. And I give myself permission, compassion, all those things to let some things go. It's as simple as a meeting's got to happen right now. Well, I have a parent teacher (laughs) conference going on right now. 
So we can, a couple of options. If I give up the parent-teacher conference, I know I'm going to be really resentful because I'm not doing my best job as mom, which is very important in my life, and it's a value. So therefore, I'm not giving that up. However, I'm certain we can find a phone call way of approaching things, a different hour. There are ways to work around it versus my saying, oh, somebody else said there needs to be a meeting. Oh, got to cancel the parent-teacher conference. So I'm learning how to be purposeful and mindful, hit the pause button when I see a conflict coming, and then recognize, don't feel badly necessarily that I can't participate at that moment. Let it go, but find ways to navigate and negotiate it. And knowing I'm going to come back feeling really good and give even more of my creative open space and energy that's not focused on feeling, you know, conflicted and feeling upset and stressed. Instead, you get the best of me when you do get me, as opposed to half of me, which can only give you half my energy and I'm only half present. So that too is a big part of being choiceful with boundaries. They actually protect everybody. And even if it means I'm making a choice to take care of me, um, you know, in, in some of the conflict. Well, that's really important because I always like to say it's an invitation, not an obligation. And some of the listeners may say, but my boss wants this. And you and I've been in those situations where, you know, your boss has wanted something in that moment, right? And, but when we demand for somebody to show up in that moment, like for example, the parent teacher conference, which is really important part of your values of being the yes. best mom for your child. And there's a, there's another conflict of, of being able to say, hey, look, this is this work thing's really important to me, and my family thing's really important to me. Is there another way we can make this happen, right? Yes. And you and you can ask that question. And again, that's really vulnerable to ask for what you want or to say, hey, yes. can we open this up? And I had to do that recently where I had an appointment, and then all of a sudden I had another appointment, and I realized there may not have been enough time in between. And I went to the first person and I said, hey, would it be possible to move it forward? And she couldn't. And then she was, you know, and I said, no, no. And and then I just finally realized, like, it wasn't going to work to make both things happen in that time period. And that was okay. And I was going to honor my first commitment. But if I had not asked and willing to be vulnerable, then I would have either tried to make the impossible happen and my stress level would have been 100 because I was going to try to make this impossible timeline occur, which would have then stressed out everybody. Or I would have been um, resentful for giving up one thing without asking, right? And then once I asked and we moved through it and I didn't get the outcome, the ultimate outcome that I wanted, I wasn't resentful because I knew what the choices were because schedules don't always align perfectly. And I think that's important to know. (laughs) That's why uncertainty is certainly a part of our life. (laughs) And those plans certainly will not always go according to plan. But it's such a beautiful thing because when you realize like, oh, I can be safe and have uncertainty. Yes. Yes, they can live together. That's that's monumental. In my world anyway. All right. So before we wrap up, can you explain the difference between being a listener of the show and then now doing this work where we where I partner with you? And you do this work. What's the difference that you've noticed in your life? Well, first and foremost, without a doubt, it's the word practice. <clears throat> it's all too easy to, you know, listen to all your podcasts from beginning to end and go to Corinne University. That would be, that would have been my first approach. And I was then recognizing and realizing what I'm really out to do here is to practice these things but I'm not quite sure how sometimes, and there are things that come up in the moment. And so I really felt myself not truly living what I was beginning to believe. So I set out with 2018, and yes, this is the planner in me, saying (laughs) this is a year that I'm going to dare to do some things I never thought possible. No idea how I'm going to get it done. And I put a pretty plan on a page with Gantt charts but it's not really what, still not what I'm looking for. It's between the Gantt chart lines. There's something there that's really soft and I can't put my finger on it. And in order to do the things I'm looking to do, I'm going to need to be different when I'm showing up because we need to be more, I need to get more reward and to be more effective in learning more about me through my life. And that comes every day. You have opportunities to test and try. So the difference now is I have some homework every week. It's some form of homework of something I'm working on. 
that's causing me to think through and reflect. And that reflection time left to my own volition, oh, I'll fill it. I'll find plenty of things to do. But I know that Corinne is expecting me to show up and having done my work because it's an absolute waste of her time if I don't do my work. And I can't tell you how many times when we first started working together, I'd say, oh, but I got a meeting at that time. Oh, I'm going to have to cancel it. And it's really interesting to me how it's off limits. Like anybody who knows me knows I'm disappearing at this hour. I'll be very transparent about what I'm doing. I got nothing to hide. But guarantee you all, everybody know that when I come out of this hour, I'm going to be a better person for you. And I have literally said that to some people saying, but I have to have you at this time. I love that. I'm sure we can find another time and I'm sure you want the other me and maybe not the one walking into this hour. So like, let's go after that is our goal. Let's find a new time. But it's that art of hearing you and adapting the thinking to what's going on on a daily basis in my life and helping me learn how to practice. It's practice to me. It is practice. It's a challenge every day. And as soon as you figure one out, there's a new one, by the way. So it's journey. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's no like arrival and then you don't have to do it. It's it's kind of like the yeah, dishes. No. There's always more dishes to do. The, um, yes. The great thing I find about the part coaching partnership is that there's uh, – uh, there's a structure for the clients and and then there's accountability and it's not like I go oh get into your homework bad student but that you know like I do really well with deadlines and if in and I never used to read well I'd read books very slowly until I had this radio show and I was like oh gosh I've got this author coming on I better finish this book right I have to be ready versus when I have books that you know there's some books that I've been working on for 3 or 4 months because there's not a pressing deadline and I find with my clients especially because they're so busy and overachievers that having that structure of okay I'm going to meet with Corinne we're meeting at this time. This is the work I want to do. And it's not really, it's not for me. It's for you, right? But this right. is the work I want to do because I want to make sure that I have value from this, right? And so that's the beauty of the coaching partnership is the structure and the support and the accountability that the clients get. Yes. And somebody who can say to you, remember that story you told me six months ago? Remember <laughs> yeah. how you thought about it then? Let, let's just, I, I want you to remember that. You're like the mirror that reflects <laughs> and helps me re remember either I'm still working on a lesson, which is what it usually is, and or we've made some progress. And to me, my new definition of perfection, there isn't any other than it's all about progress. And so being able to recognize that progress when it's all too easy for me to just zero in on, uh, let me tell you about the two things going wrong in my life, as opposed to finding ways to celebrate along the way to say, wow, we're making progress. Some of that happens in our sessions, too. Mm -hmm. So it's a combination. And, and I don't know, left to my own volition. I don't know. I'd take time out for that. So I really value it as a piece of my life that helps me grow. Well, and, and how the how you with with just even the scenario that we've been going back to and anchoring this interview with of, you know, somebody who really sought out other people's approval right? Mm -hmm. And how look at where you've come in the last six months where you said to this very important person to you, who has influence over you, right? And who can make your life difficult. Like you can choose to hate me. I get that. Like I get that this is really hard. I'm choosing to have a better relationship. I'm choosing to be in this with you right now. And yes. that is not something like when I was an approval whore, there's no way I could say something like that. So that's your own growth that you've had by doing this work. And so congratulations, Rose. That's fantastic. Well, I do have a mighty good coach if I do say so myself. <laughs> I wouldn't be where I am today, really, Corinne. It's just, it's been such marvelous experience going through the way you ask questions and help me think about things. Help me, you're, you're helping me learn the toolkit that, well, yes, the, the challenges are going to change. The journey will evolve. I think that's the point is it's going to evolve, but it can evolve to be bigger and more possibilities as I have more tools in my toolkit that I'm practicing. Because guess what? The better I get at some of them, as soon as I'm working on one and starting to understand how to use it, you introduce to me a new one. And so there's always something new <laughs> to be putting in my toolkit that's helping my capacity grow and helping me do more things than I ever thought possible because I'm thinking very differently and practicing every day. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm so happy for you, Rose. Well, thank you. Well, I appreciate you and the work you're doing. Most importantly, the impact you're having on the world and your podcast. I love that it's there every single week. It's just, it's awesome.
Well, thank you. And thank you for being a guest. You get to be on it this time. <laughs> but an honor, truly. Well, Aunt Rose, it's an honor to be your coach. I thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your journey with the listeners here. I think about, well, it was a different century. It was in the late 90s. And I saw that movie with Helen Hunt and Jack Nicholson, As Good As It Gets. And I just hated the movie, As Good As It Gets. And I think it struck an internal chord as I was on my own struggle thinking, oh, no, here's this evidence that you just need to suck it up and settle. You can't really transform. You can't get any better. And I really struggled even with the word transformation. Like, really, that happens for other people, not people like me. And so I think about this work that I get to do and I've been doing now for 10 years or so of with my clients and being able to partner with them as they go through their own transformation process. And Rose is an example of what is possible when you show up, when you're willing to be vulnerable and brave, when you're willing to take risk and you say, okay, I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to commit to the best case scenario. It's messy. And wait a second, Corinne, what do you mean? I need to stop beating myself up. I need to let go of perfection. But wait, this got me to this high level of being a C-level executive, and I want to continue to evolve, so shouldn't I just work harder at that? And you can see her transformation and how she's able to stand her ground and have better boundaries, and it allows her to do better work both personally and professionally. So a couple key points that I want to talk about that I think are really important takeaways for you as you go out and practice implementing this in your life is one, it's this idea about perfectionism. It is armor that we put on because we think if I look perfect, act perfect, be perfect, I'll be safe, I can be successful, right? Those are the messages that we've been culturally programmed to believe. And my friend, it's a lie because perfection is the birthplace of shame. And we all have so much shame. And shame is that voice of I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. You know, I'm, I'm a bad person. I'm broken. And it also can be the voice of who do you think you are? You're too much. It's kind of interesting. It can go on both ends of the spectrum. But we have enough shame already. We don't need to continue to foster it. What we need to do is be able to identify the feeling of shame and move through it. And one of the things Rose talked about was the, the ability from life coaching to being aware of the problem so that she can actually be able to identify it, recognize it, and then go and work on it and practice it. Because what you don't know, you can't do what you can't see, you can't do. And if you don't understand it, there's nothing wrong. My clients are highly intelligent. They get really upset. I go, it's all okay. We weren't taught a lot of this stuff. We weren't taught like, oh, connect with your feelings because they're really good teachers. We were taught work really hard, be really successful, approve yourself to get approval from other people and you'll be safe. Make a lot of money and you'll be happy. Lose a lot of weight and you'll be happy. Those are the things, the external stuff instead of going within. So perfection is the birthplace of shame. So let's let go of perfection. We're messy. We want to strive and do our best. Absolutely. You know, we want to kick ass and have a great time and really challenge ourselves and grow. And even when we don't, there's sometimes I'm like, I don't really need another opportunity. But then when we get on the other side of it, we just feel so jazzed like, like Rose does right now. The other thing I want to talk about is this idea of work-life balance. You know, my clients come to me, they're like, I just, I just need that work-life balance. So you guys, I started this show back in 2006 because I was in search of that. Four kids, a blended family. I had teenagers in high school that I'd been raising since they were like three and six. And then I had a five-year-old and a three-year-old. I was working full-time. My husband was working full-time. We had demanding jobs and I felt like a failure and I was crying all the time. So I wanted somebody to start a show so that I can learn how to do it. And hence it wound up becoming me starting the show as the, um, my friend who runs the station goes, well, why don't you do it? And what I have learned is there's no such thing as work-life balance. So let's get rid of it. Balance. When you think about it, we're always, when we try to get things into balance, it's into perfection, right? So going back to that idea of perfection is the birthplace of shame. We, we want to get out of having balance because it's like, oh, is it, is it precisely balance, that perfection? Forget it. So instead, what I talk with my clients about is alignment. Are you living in alignment with your life? Are you living in alignment with your values? The things that are your guiding light, they're your pillars, they're your foundation. Are you living in alignment with your priorities? In, in, 
working on minding that gap. So if, if there's aspired values and priorities and there's how you're practicing them and you're not living that way, then you're out of alignment and then there's a cost to you. So I'm always checking in with, am I living in alignment with my values and my priorities? Am I leading my organizations, my business with my values and my priorities, or am I going over here? So like approval whoring is not living in alignment with my values, right? Because I'm trying to please other people to get them to like me. It's not in alignment with who I am. But my values and my priorities are my myself, my family, my friends, the communities that I serve. Those are my priorities. And so I check in, am I living in alignment? And there's always kind of a shift that goes on depending on the time of the year. In the summertime, you, the aqua monsters take up a huge amount of time because we're in our ma- massive summer programming, right? In the wintertime, they take up less time for me. So I know that. So instead of work-life balance, let's ditch it and let's instead have alignment. Are you living in alignment with your values and priorities? If you don't know your values, I invite you to do this work. It's really, really important. It's so valuable. This is one of the things that I do with my clients because it helps them give clarity. Again, if your values are your guiding light, you need to know what they are so that they can help you see. And then I want to go back to now armor. And so armor can be perfectionism. One of the pieces of armor that I use forever was judgment. Let me judge you. And um, then I just keep you away. And then I have to worry about your rejection. Or let me let me judge myself before you judge me, because I won't be a fool. And I, I know better. So let me just, you know, judge myself and self deprecate. It's armor. It covers up what's underneath the heart, the loving, the loyalty, the friendship, you know, who I am as a person, it got in the way of that. And the thing that I so want is connection and belonging. And that armor weighs you down. And that's why you're so exhausted. Or when you're trying to do it perfectly and you're hustling for everybody's approval and you're working really hard and you're counting those hours, but you're not looking at the quality of the work that you're doing. That's armor and it's weighing you down. It's costly. It's taxing your energy and it's really not necessary. That's where boundaries come in of having boundaries, you know, with other people, but not having to put the armor. Boundaries can be a fence post and they're great. And then the other part that's really important that we talked about with Rose, or I talked about with Rose today is about self-compassion. It is so powerful and it's such a, I don't want to say difficult, but it is challenging because it's counter culture, right? It's counter the programming that we've had throughout our life of, oh, be compassionate with myself and actually I'm going to do better. I remember a client was like, Corinne, why, why if I was compassionate with myself, would I do anything? I would just sit around. And I've had them test it. I go, well, go try it. Like I thought the same thing. And yeah, sure. Maybe I watched television. It was like a January 1st day. I think I watched television for about nine hours. I was exhausted. I totally overworked. And I took those nine hours. And but the next day I watched television for three hours. And then I was over it. I go, I can't do this. I'm exhausted. You know, I can't just sit in front. I wanted to work. We are hardwired to evolve. Think about babies. Babies are carried, they're taken care of, they're nurtured, and they eventually go, no, I want to do it. I remember my kids were little. Me do it, mommy. Me do it. We want to evolve inside of us. Not all the time. It's not a 24-7. You know, we're not 7-11 where we're open all the time and we want to evolve 24-7, but we do want to evolve. That is part of our hardwiring. Compassion is the biggest motivator for change. And remember how perfectionism is the birthplace for shame? Compassion is the antidote for shame. So that's why it's so important to have in your toolkit as you transform your own life. Perfection, let go of it work-life balance, let's toss it and instead live in alignment. Armor, it weighs you down. And isn't it time now to take it off? Learn how to do proper boundaries. Learn how to uh, be allow people to see who you really are because what's underneath there? When I started letting go of the judgment, letting go of the sarcasm, People got to see me. I have this ability to love that is incredible. I have this loyalty to my people that is so strong and powerful, right? I am a good friend. I am a loving parent. You know, I'm a loving wife and I can also be really fierce and harsh in, but when I can let go of judgment, the best of me shows up. It's already inside of you. That's the great news. We cover it up. It's not that you have to become somebody else. It's about becoming you and letting go of the layers. And then self-compassion. That is the antidote to shame. 
that and empathy and being able to practice that and commit to it. And I always invite my clients that we commit to it, practice it, allow themselves to screw it up because you are. We don't do it perfectly. We're going to screw it up and then get ourselves back up and recommit because that is the key to transformation. So I invite you to go out there and do this work. You can grab a friend, have them listen to the podcast, and you can go and have an accountability and listen. Or if you enjoy listening to this podcast and go check out my Enough Group Coaching Program. It's my monthly group coaching program. And we take all of the practices that Rose was talking about and we apply it in your real life. And one of my superpowers is helping my clients actually integrate the tools into their lives so they live it in their bones. Because just knowing about it, intellectual knowing, reading about it, doesn't actually create the transformation. That's passive learning versus active learning of applying it. The other superpower that I have is that I'm awesome at putting together a safe community for my clients in the Enough Group. And I love that about these Enough Groups is that we come together and people are allowed to show their messy selves as they evolve and they practice and they don't understand stuff and they get braver by asking questions. This just happened yesterday with one of my Enough Group. It, it was a concept that it's a tool that we've been practicing and they're like, but wait, I don't really quite understand that. And the bravery they had to be able to say, I don't understand it and how many people in the group it helped. So that is our place that we show up, we learn, we practice, there's accountability, there's connection, there's belonging, and there's transformation that happens. Go check out the Enough Group. Go to howshereallydoesit.com forward slash enough. Make sure you type in howshereallydoesit.com forward slash enough. I'd love to have you join us in the Enough Group. The enrollment for the January group is going to be opening at the beginning of January. So there is a place where you can get on the wait list. Then you'll be the first notified, but go to howshereallydoesit.com enough. I'd love for you to join us. It's going to be a great year. Smiling big for you. On a lake, she is dreaming. She is drifting. Never been so wild.